0: You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high quality solar solutions to the world, SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring.
1: Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and of One Step Off the Grid and of the EV website, The Driven. And this is our first episode of 2020. And time to welcome back Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, welcome to 2020 and welcome to another year of the Solar Insiders podcast.
2: It's so good to be back, Giles. I didn't think about solar for weeks weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And now here we are, back in the year, you know, full swing already, strategy meeting next week. We're off. Let's go. Let's do it all over. (laughs) We're off
1: and running. I mean, gosh, since we last spoke, I mean, I don't know whether how many of our listeners have actually had a holiday. Um, It's been tough enough as it is with all the bushfires and just sort of Mm. looking and hearing from all the problems that people um, have encountered. I mean, you know, people have died. Property's been burnt. Wildlife has been incinerated. Forests have disappeared. and Mm. A lot of people have been hit by smoke. So I think it's been in front of minds of a lot of people, and I think that's probably cast a bit of a pall over the holidays. But, um, gee, um, it has been... It was an extremely busy year in 2019, and we'll probably hear more from. We will we'll hear more from Warwick Johnson uh, later in the program. Oh, you, got um, rap you got a wrap on 2019 from Was? You got a wrap from 2019 from Was? Yeah, absolutely. Sunwise did its year in review, and I just hopped onto the old internet thingamajig yesterday, and. Um, got him down, got him down, Pat. That no, was good good to so. chat. And um, look, before we go into uh, sort of, you know, the, the focus of the news, um, not only should we welcome back all our listeners, um, but we've also got a new um, sponsor, which is fantastic. Um, awesome. Solar Insiders, of course, has been sponsored by Solar Analytics um, and um, Warwick Johnson's SunWiz and PV Cell for the last couple of years. and very thankful for that. And they're now joined by Clenergy. Oh, the Racking Guys. The they are so cool they've done some
2: amazing things and they've got a great i hope we're we're gonna have to get them on and have a chat with them at some point to to hear their story because i know a little bit of the background and it's it's quite a fascinating story how they've grown that business into you know a real powerhouse in the monitor in the um in the monitoring space in the mounting space now so great bunch of guys doing cool stuff
1: Good stuff. Excellent. And um, thanks for coming on board. And um, you mm. guys will hear some messages from them later on in the program, no doubt. Now, look, um, we talked about the bushfires briefly and um, obviously all that smoke and haze which some people were breathing and putting on masks and closing their eyes and
2: staying indoors and had a bit of an impact on people's solar systems too. It certainly did. It certainly did. We we actually... Um made the press in uh, on numerous occasions. We wrote a little blog and got picked up by a whole bunch of people. In fact, someone sent me a list today of 15 different publications that um, picked up our story, which was nice to see. Um, one of the nice things about doing um, doing solar monitoring using radiation data is that you can see exactly what the system's producing given the available insulation, and so you can see what the impact is on, on, on homes and businesses, and we're able to calculate um, just over a, a period of a few weeks between December and January that... That uh, you know, the impact was somewhere between 15 and 45 percent on some of those really, really heavy smoky days that we saw, which is which is full on. Um, and, and, you know, as a point of comparison in, in Delhi, uh, which is renowned for very, very hazy uh, pollution conditions and, and persistently high pollution conditions they're typically seeing a reduction of about 12 percent so you know this was worse than one of the most heavily polluted cities in the world for uh, a number of locations around australia it was incredible
1: Gosh, I mean, that that is amazing. I mean, up to 45%.
2: But I guess, you
1: know, when you consider that people were talking about the, you know, the the sky going dark and the day just turning into night because of some of the impacts of the bushfires, then I guess that's not surprising. But it just sort of shows um, what can happen. Um, And it's interesting because the Australian energy market operator had also warned beforehand that um, haze could be a problem for solar output. So I'm guessing it affected the
2: large scale plants as much as it did the, the rooftop solar yeah indeed and um you know i mean it moved around a lot we we're watching it um and I, I know the 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 data scientists here are you know still um you know pouring over the, the the data we get 120 million data points a day in this place so you know there's a lot of data to analyze luckily we've got two Data scientists and a third one they were just interviewing before I came into this room. So, you know, they're having a field day with this data because it's profound. It's never happened before. We've never seen this type of impact. Uh, We saw, we actually had. um, um, a, a lot of interactions with the Bureau of Metrology because we get some of our data from them. Um, some of it's direct ground me- uh, ground measurements and other satellite-derived stuff. And, and even the bomb was struggling with it, as you might have seen some of the bomb articles and, and they published a little animation um, which showed what looked like a cloud passing, but in fact it was smoke. Um, yeah, the, the, the cloud was so profound on other occasions, Please, bomb- I, was, I, was,
1: I, was look, I was looking at the weather map sometimes, and, um, and I thought it was raining where I was, and it clearly wasn't. But obviously, that was just smoke passing. <laughs> smoke, over. yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and just, just for those listening, the bomb is the
2: Bureau of Meteorology; it's not yes. a terrorist warning. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, you know the, the the ripple effects of this are, are enormous for, for, for monitoring, for the Bureau of Meteorology, um, for for what we can now learn from these types of events, um, even from a technology perspective. And, and there was a study done into going back to Delhi. There was a study done into the impacts in Delhi a while ago looking at, you know, how different technologies respond in these different types of scenarios. So they looked at gallium arsenide, cadmium telluride, and uh, perovskites, um, as well as standard silicon. They all have different spectral responses to what happens when cloud or haze or smoke um, uh, goes over. And and fascinatingly, um, standard silicon panels performed the best. Uh, And perovskite, which has great promise, and is looking like a fantastic new cell material in the future it was affected the most with set almost 17 percent losses so you know there's some good lessons that uh, the data scientists and the analysts are going to uh, no doubt spend a lot of uh, the next six or 12 months pouring over all that data trying to work out what we can learn from it that's fascinating. It's given
1: me this wonderful idea of maybe this is a way to explain the responses of politicians to renewable energy and climate change impacts. You know, different spectral responses across the um across the <laughs> across the political spectrum or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm I mean, at loss. I mean, fossil. it can't the be ideology. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, It just can't be. I mean, you know, maybe they're just completely bought out by fossil fuel interest, or maybe they're really that stupid. But I mean, still, it's been a little bit despairing of some of the responses um, to the bushfires. Um, But look, let's get some good news here. I mean, you know, last time we... um, Well, before or last time we talked, which was just before Christmas, um, you know, we were talking about the, um, the 11 months of, you know, stunning solar activity. And it turned out we got data in early January, that December was even bigger. It was the biggest month ever and records in New South Wales. And I think yep. in Queensland too, 2.13 yep. gigawatts of, um, rooftop solar, small scale rooftop solar okay. and a whole bunch of large scale. So, um, you know, the anecdotal evidence you were telling me before, Nigel, is that, you know, everyone was really busy over the school holidays. In fact, some people may not have had a
2: much of a holiday simply because of all the pent-up demand and, and orders to go yeah indeed that, that's the, we were hearing that in the lead up and and you know i think the fires clearly threw everyone into disarray and the crazy weather patterns and you know people caring for family and friends and you know jumping to to you know um emergency mode through a, through the whole christmas thing into chaos um whether you were um just trying to get around and, and have a holiday and not being able to go where you thought you were going to or whether you you know need to do something to help your friends and family um, so I, I, I'm, I'm yet to catch up with everyone um, it's only my second week back so I haven't rung everyone yet to find out I, I was talking to some of the guys um, talking about good news um, I was chatting with uh, Andy McCarthy down at Gippsland Solar about um, you know what they were doing and how they had responded and he, he told me a, a, a beautiful story and, and I know A lot of people in the solar industry you remember a lot of small businesses in solar are in rural and regional areas and and so um you know um we were reaching out to a lot of friends who we've got in solar just making sure they were okay and of course a lot of them are fireys as well and and um i know the guys in gippsland were heavily affected by it of course um and they were telling me a story this morning about how they had a call um from um uh somewhere it was in East Gippsland and it was the brother um bat and rue wildlife shelter and they got a call from Ausnet actually saying look we've lost all the poles and all the wires going into this place it's in a pretty remote area it's going to take us months to get that infrastructure up um but it's one of the key care centers where they look after wildlife that as you pointed out has been so heavily impacted by this fire is there anything you can do um The guys from Gippsland got on the phone. They got generous donations from Tesla, Trinisola, Clenergy, our wonderful new sponsors, and Fronius, and built a portable power system. Um, It had a couple of Powerwall batteries. It was all on... um, on uh, concrete blocks so that they could deploy it quickly it had to be wind rated so it had to be engineered Um, uh, the whole thing had to be able to go in and from the day andy was telling me from the day they got the call to the day that the power system was back up and running was seven days so in seven days, they'd turned this system around, deployed it on the ground, and um, Andy said, you know, the guys were, were, were just, everyone was just blown away because they now could refrigerate the medicines that they needed and the medical equipment that they needed to treat the animals, and they could also pump water and do all sorts of things. And, and this, is, this is just one of a myriad of stories that we heard of the solar industry not only contributing funds, um, but also, you know, getting in and, and um, uh, arousing support. From, from manufacturers and suppliers. So great, great work by everyone over Christmas in tough times.
1: No, good, on, and good on Andy over at Gippsland Solar. Hey, look, um, I think we're just going to uh, take a quick break now for a message from um, our new sponsor, Clenergy, so we'll be back in a moment.
0: Clenergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Clenergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application
1: you are listening to solar insiders my name is giles parkinson i'm the editor of renew economy and joining me is nigel morris from solar analytics another one of this program's sponsors Um, nigel we were talking before about um warwick's um data for 2.2 gigawatts of rooftop solar um roughly in 2019 do you reckon we're going to
2: beat that in 2020 i reckon it's odds on mate because you know, when you look back, I used to track. I used to keep a record of every survey and every graph and every every you know consumer sentiment survey that was that was ever produced. And I had this vast array over time, and they they tracked different events and different times. And um, I used to map them all over the top of each other. And, and I remember doing it once, going, you know what? There is an absolute trend here. When you look at any major environmental Um, uh, event that happened um, uh, or tangible event. I can go right back to the Longford gas crisis. Uh, We can look at severe bushfires going back over time. We can look at severe droughts where, you know, you might remember years ago, um, the sheep were dropping dead left, right and centre because it was just so harsh and so dry. And following every one of those, well, the impact of these tangible, in-your-face, catastrophic events is that people start thinking about their impact, they start thinking about the climate around them, and yeah, the noise uh, over Christmas has been profound. So the long and the short of it is, yeah, I reckon this year what we're going to see is people saying, I need to do something more. Clearly, the government's not going to do anything more except take credit for things that they have actually haven't done. So what can I do? Well, I can save some money and I can throw solar on the roof. And um, so I think it uh, bodes well for people wanting to take action on climate change to minimise the chance of this happening again. And uh, I reckon that's going to translate into a strong year. And it also talks
1: to um, energy resilience too, because one of the issues um, along the bushfire area along the coast was that uh, people were that power for days and days and days. And that speaks to um, one of the great things about sort of microgrids and local energy, you know, not just production but also storage. Which, storage. Um, you know, well, exactly what Andy and the boys from Gitsan Solar were trying to do and help out um, with the kangaroo shelter. And I think yeah. we're probably going to see more of that happening now. And we've actually got a regulatory um, breakthrough as well um, just before Christmas. I think that's going to be finalised in next few weeks and months which encourages um energy networks to actually put standalone systems in these areas which are at risk of bushfires where long skinny little wires um are at threat um you know from storms and floods and fires and, and what have you and um mm. so hope we'll see some evidence but look let's let's, yeah, let's have a listen there, to um there was a,
2: do you want to hear a great story a, a really short story about that can there we was do some that but, after work? there was in the,
1: no, we're going to do it before. Okay, let's
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a great, perfect segue from what you were talking about. Someone who, who had a Tesla Powerwall um, installed and rang and said, oh, um, it looks like the power's going to go out, the, fire, the Ember attack's coming, it runs their pumps and everything, hopefully this battery's going to work. Um, 6 p.m. the power went out, 2 a.m. in the morning, um, they were still pumping water, they were still fighting the fire, and the quote that came back from the customer was, this has gone from saving me money to saving lives. Thanks so much.
1: And I'll tell you what, while we're on that, there's another good little story, too, that you actually put, um, you you alerted us to um, about the Tesla Model 3 driver. And maybe we should talk about that in the EV section. Yeah. um, About um, how how good it was to have an electric vehicle in the bushfires. But look, let's go to Warwick first. Um, This is, um, um, I talked to Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz and PV Cell. And this is what he had to say. Warwick Johnson, Director of Sunwiz. Thanks for joining Solar Insiders.
3: G'day Giles, lovely to be chatting with you again.
1: Yeah, look and um, welcome to 2020 and I hope it's a good a year as um, I presume 2019 was because um, on the face of it and on the basis, basis of the statistics that you produced in your year in review, I mean there's no doubt about it, um, 2019 was a record year um, at least for small scale rooftop solar, 2.13 gigawatts, um, it's a pretty outstanding result isn't it?
3: Yeah, oh look, it's incredible, and especially when you think about just three years prior to that, we we're at a third of that volume in the rooftop segment. Yeah, you, know, you add on top of that uh, large commercial and uh, and solar farms, and you've got you know more than four times growth over three years. Uh, what, what an incredible time to be in the solar industry, right?
1: Like, okay, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. yeah. so what's 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 driven it specifically in two thousand and nineteen, because I'm not too sure any policies have changed. I mean, look, Victoria introduced its solar rebate, but that had sort of more hiccups and successes in its in its early months, and um it's not really the reason why um the volumes have driven um so high. what's what's it's just people just wanting more solar?
3: Yeah, look, exactly. It's not state government programs. We saw New South Wales had growth equivalent to Victoria's growth, as did Queensland and New South Wales didn't have any specific program which drove that growth. Uh, What you're seeing is just that, solar is mainstream and it's that, you know, understandably, people are still hurting from their electricity bills and solar has gotten even more affordable and at the moment feed-in tariffs are also high and with all that combining, you see paybacks in, you know, three to five, even six years really at the outset outside and uh, it just drives a fundamental market and, and everyone's got it and everyone who doesn't goes, well, I should be getting it, and um, they're getting around to it finally.
1: Yeah. It's interesting about feed and tariffs, isn't it? So that's not really being legislated at all. That's just really competition amongst the retailers to show who could be the um, most friendly towards solar.
3: Yeah, and look, it's just purely driven by wholesale electricity prices being high at the moment, uh, and so everyone has to offer a commensurate rate with the wholesale price basically. Uh, That will change in future, but um, that's not on people's mind. It really is. Uh, How can I reduce my electricity bill without significantly changing the way that I I live? And to a small degree, uh, also some environmental concern there. Uh, Government's not doing too much about this, uh, but I can take matters into my uh, own hands and, uh, and of course, be uh, making a wise financial investment at the same time. Why wouldn't you?
1: Well, why wouldn't you? Indeed, in fact, that's a really important point. I mean, this is something that people can actually do themselves and actually achieve a result. I mean, it's pretty much, um, you know, extra every extra kilowatt hour of solar that gets into the grid is probably one kilowatt hour um, less of coal being generated. And um, look, this is a policy that's actually working and continues to work.
3: That's right. And look, what we're seeing people do now as well is. They're not just thinking about today, they're setting themselves up for the future. So they're thinking, okay, well in a few years time, I'm gonna get an electric vehicle. Uh, I'm probably gonna add a battery. I need a decent sized system. The economies of scale and things work out that it's the most sensible um, choice to do as well, and so you're really seeing people maximising what they can fit either on their roof or on their network connection, and that's why we've seen that 25% of all systems, uh, by volume, to uh, sorry 6.6 kilowatts exactly. It's um, people really. Uh, you know, it's an evidence that people are really maximising what they can do.
1: And that in turn is helping push up the average size of solar systems. So I think it's about 8 kilowatts or something like that. So you've got those the, the, the larger amount of bigger um, household systems, but you're also seeing the impact in that average 8 kilowatt average of more businesses going to solar too. What's, what's, what's the economics of business now?
3: Look, economics of business is still even better than for residential uh, because you're consuming all of your electricity during the day. And so that definitely drives things. Uh, but 2019 was the first year where... Uh, in, in recent years, where residential uh, volumes grew at the same pace as commercial volumes, and so that average system size growing was actually really driven by uh, increase in residential uh, system sizes. Uh, as also, we're seeing a lot of ten to twenty kilowatt systems, and uh, there's evidence that small businesses are really taking this up in droves as well.
1: Mm. Let's pick another thing from the um, from the year in review report. Um, you mentioned um, prices of systems for um, households and business, and small businesses has come down. So tell us what's happened there and why?
3: Yeah, look, again, we are seeing drops uh, to record low system prices for solar, both for residential and for commercial solar. It's one of those things, there's really no reason to wait for it to get any cheaper either, uh, because you're just going to be you know, throwing money away at the grid um, while waiting for the systems to, to get cheaper. And indeed, the price decrease didn't go down as fast as in previous years. So we're seeing almost not, not quite yet a bottoming out in prices, but certainly a slowdown in their reduction. And uh, what's driving that is efficiencies. So it's uh, costs the same as to install a 6.6-kilowatt system as it does a 5-kilowatt system in all practical terms. So that's part of it, uh, of course, and, and equipment just keeps on getting better, more efficient and more affordable.
1: So it's been unashamedly good news um, in the uh, more undoubtedly good news for the um, household and the commercial sector. What about the large scale thing? I think the numbers look pretty good, but it hasn't exactly been an easy time for the large scale solar sector, has it? Yeah. So there's so- lots of different problems on the grid and connections and well, marginal loss factors and overcrowding and, and, and basically delays in commissioning, I think.
3: Look, mate, you, it, being in as a solar farm, solar farm developer, uh, wow, what a huge number of obstacles you uh, got to overcome. And as a result, we saw the volume of solar farms commissioned uh, decrease, uh, and it was effectively um, that decrease was uh, made up by an equivalent increase in the uh, rooftop market. And so, basically, 2019, when you tally it all up, was uh, practically equal to 2018. So thankfully, the, the residential uh, market grew so much. If you're in commercial over 100 kilowatts, uh, we did see a, a some growth, but um, not as stellar as it has been in uh, previous years, uh, with the exception of the that one megawatt to five megawatt range where we're just seeing so many shopping centres going and putting solar on. So, you know, we, you know, I used to just never think you'd get a, a megawatt behind the meter. Um, we're seeing uh, systems that are... Fi- up to five megawatts and even beyond, I know one 10 megawatt um, system that's coming up uh, behind the meter. And uh, so, you know, really the sky's the limit.
1: 10 megawatt system behind the meter, is that rooftop or ground-mounted or what's uh, what's
3: the deal there? That's a, that's a mixture of both. Wow,
1: okay, we'll look forward to hearing more about that. And look, what's the um, what's the outlook for 2020 then? You've got uh, Have you put your 2020 vision glasses on? <laughs>
3: Uh, look, uh, I, wish, I wish they were that crystal clear. Uh, look, I think it's going to be another fantastic year. Uh, 2019 set a record concurrent across all the states except for Victoria and Tasmania in that last month. You know, really we just you know, saw the volumes keep on going higher and higher and that sets us up for a great start to 2020, of course. So, um, you know, you, you could easily say, well, you know, what if every month was like December, um, for average across the, the 2019, sorry, average across... Uh, across 2020, and that'll get you to up to 2.6 gigawatts of uh, sub-100 kilowatt market. Uh, Commercial, maybe some, uh, again, stable growth, uh, not outstanding, um, but, you know, there's another 0.2 gigawatts. And, you know, solar farms are probably about the same as uh, as last year would be a reasonable uh, ballpark. And so when you add all that together, then you, you expect to see some market growth. Of course, a lot depends upon when solar farms are commissioned and, and what actually pans out in the sub 100 kilowatt market. But, hey, you know, uh, when I speak to my colleagues in the solar industry running businesses, everyone's already saying how um, busy they are and how much, um, their summer holiday was a, is a distant memory. So uh, I expect it's going to be another big year. Uh, we've got some challenges on the horizons, of course, with uh, networks, both at the uh, transmission level but also the um, distribution level. But you know, it's like the network operators are all starting to understand we've got to do something here uh, to allow everyone to connect to the grid and um, not be hamstrung by, uh, by old technology
1: by old technology and old way of thinking too. Yeah, no, I think there's been a bit of a change going on there and um, so that is much promising. Look, your year-in-review report, and um, we've just picked the eyes out of it. Um, I understand it is available for purchase. What else would people be able to find in it?
3: Look, there's over 127 slides of invaluable content describing in detail all the trends that played out in 2019 and what that means for 2020. There's lists of the top uh, retailers in every state and segment and the volumes that they did uh, and what, what their trends are. So you can really see some real opportunities for for growth with the right partners. And we look at postcodes and find that some interesting postcodes uh, grew by more than four times the national average. And those are some of the top volume postcodes as well. So there's really uh, plenty of opportunities that we identify in the report uh, for uh, solar companies to, to grow further uh, for more market entrants to come in and of course everybody needs to be growing their business we need to for the, the climate's sake uh, as uh, as the bushfires of course made crystal clear for us as well
1: absolutely Ooh. and they can find that in sunwiz.com.au is that the right email um, the, white, the right web address <laughs> is that, <laughs> that <that's> right.
3: <laughs> Just uh, gu- yeah or google 2019 year in review of solar australia
1: Fantastic. And Warwick, thanks for joining us today. And look, thank you and your business, um, SunWiz, and also PV Cell for your ongoing sponsorship of this Solar Insiders podcast. And it um, been great to catch up and um, we'll look forward to talk again,
3: talking again during the year. Thanks so much, Giles. My pleasure.
1: So that was Warwick from um, Sun. Will Warwick Johnson from SunWiz and also PV Cell, and a long-time sponsor of the yeah. Solar Energy Podcast. Um, great to hear that perspective, Nigel. Um, all pr- looking pretty positive. And look, it's important that um, you know Warwick just reminded us that this is one of the policies that actually work. So um, you know, in an era where we can't seem to get new policies um, from the government, then let's at least hold on to the ones that um, already exist. And um, the coalition government has shown itself in in the past a few months to be not Beyond claiming credit for policies that they once tried to kill but couldn't, and um, but yeah. end up resulting in lots of wind and solar, it did, it happened. did, and, and
2: I mean, <laughs> 35% growth um, over over 2018 is just remarkable, um, remarkable, mar- remarkable growth, and really interesting to hear that that small commercial segment is finally that 10 to 20 kilowatt segment is the fastest growing one now. So, yeah, that kind of kind of uh, it's it's great to hear to see, hear Warwick's analysis of the of the facts. Um, we all hear bits and pieces and got, kind of get a sense of it but to, to hear his great work on the numbers so that we can actually put our finger on uh, exactly what happened that's that's great let's see what happens yeah. this year
1: so from um good news to some um less good news um just a bit of a focus on a um, crap solar i mean you've been talking in recently had this wonderful series about good solar people we'll be resuming that one next week and uh, look forward to that but mm. unfortunately the flip side of the equation is there are some dodgy things happening um What's the latest? I did actually see something. Someone sent me a picture the other day of a solar system in the U.S. of someone protecting their solar system with a sort of... <laughs> from golf balls, from golf the nearest ball. golf course. So they basically covered the whole thing classic. so they wouldn't get smashed by a golf course. But um, yeah.
2: maybe that defeats the purpose of the thing in the first place. I'm not too sure. What do you reckon? <laughs> not the first time we've seen someone try to protect their eye. Remember, I remember come, being called out to one years ago that uh, someone had... Uh, Uh, very carefully covered the entire solar array in chicken wire because kids kept chucking rocks at it uh, which didn't have a great impact on it but there you go um but yeah no look i mean there was nothing uh, there there were a couple of interesting anecdotes but what i was doing of course was watching crap solar to see what the guys were up to and and the thing that you know still terrifies everyone is how many burned out rooftop isolators people are being called out to in fact i was chatting with some guys who are asset managed solar asset management specialists today who do a lot of service work around australia and um they were saying that in the last six months they've attended 27 roof fires, um, which were predominantly caused by rooftop isolators. Um, So, you know, the rooftop isolator issue goes on. Um, We also saw images appearing left, right and centre of cheap solar panels failing after just a few years, which is just such a tragic waste of resources and effort and time and all those kinds of things. Um, We saw solar panels still being installed in the shade, which just bewilders me how anyone um can uh, sleep straight in bed at night after knowing that they've shoved solar panels right under an eave where they're never going to see the sun I don't know well they'd probably argue that they wouldn't be affected by the smoke haze <laughs> there's that yes yes but it's um, yeah it's still not acceptable it's 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 just stupidity um uh, lots of poor quality workmanship, and all, all of this um, kind of talks to people being forced to drive prices down. And when you look at some of the price data that Warwick's published uh, in his review, you know um, prices way under a dollar a watt. You know it's it, it, you know it's one thing to do a budget residential system at under a dollar a watt, but to try and do a commercial system um, under a dollar a watt and and be able to support that customer and do it properly and and give your installers the time to do high quality workmanship and all those kinds of things it's uh, it's uh, we're, we're right at you know right at the dangerous end of this so um I hope yes. all that cha- I hope all that changes. The good news is there there more batteries going in and, but um, I, a word of caution, um, uh, uh, users, uh, if you're uh, putting a getting a lovely new Tesla installed, don't use it as a pot plant stand. Not so good when you pour water all over it. Not the ideal thing to do with a battery.
1: What's been happening there, Warwick? People have been using it as a pot plant stand. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was a photo of a Power wall tomb with a whole array of pot plants sitting on top of it. Can <laughs> you just give me a second, please, Nigel? Hey, honey,
1: can you get rid of that pot plant off the Tesla battery, please? <laughs> <laughs> Who remind, would do that
2: sort of thing? No, I just ridiculous. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a true story. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to embarrass my uh, son because he's 16 now, nearly, and you know he needs constant embarrassing from me. Uh, I've got a little battery uh, in a room sort of under the house, and uh, we weren't using it as his room originally. It was a kind of a, a storeroom and installed my little N phase battery on the wall. And then at some point, he decided he wanted to move in there. So he moved in there. And I went down there one day and I, I saw this cardboard box stuck to the wall. And I said, what's that cardboard box stuck to the wall for, mate? And he said, oh, I put it over the battery. And I went, oh, of course, the battery's there. And realised that he'd taped, he duct taped a cardboard box around the battery. And I said, mate, have you lost your mind? What are you thinking? You know, heat, circulation of air, all those kinds of things. He said, oh, there's that little blue light on it that just pulses all night long. And I couldn't (laughs) sleep. It was driving me mad. So I just taped a box around (laughs) it. Oh, so, geez. you know, humans, bless them. Yes, humans. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lovely help. Okay. Anything else before we move on to EV land? No. Oh, look, the only other one, just, just do watch out. There's been, you know, a lot of people in rural areas, particularly at the moment, struggling, and we need to support them as much as they can. But there has been a bit of a flurry of activity of handyman out there advertising to install um, uh, solar uh, cheap um, and some of the photos of their workmanship are terrifying to say the least so you know the, the golden rule with all of this is don't buy cheap help um, create employment opportunities get people working in solar but get trained and and don't use unskilled people use skilled people um, Even a simple you know 12 volt system with a bunch of bunch of batteries can be extremely dangerous if it's done wrong so um, use good yeah. people do it properly.
1: And if someone's come to your door or they've um, appeared in your letterbox or they've come down the phone line unprompted, then um, beware. Indeed. I think is probably um, probably the key thing.
2: Mm. Um, electric vehicle news, mate. Um, what's been happening there? Well, yeah, you know, I was reading all the EV news today, and I, do, I have to admit I get bored by the EV car news, Giles, so I'm just going to stick to bikes because it's much more interesting and exciting, and it's the cutting edge, right? So um, the good... <laughs> good news it's much better it's much cooler um yeah, the good news is uh, zero motorcycles who you know i know uh, well and love um they've got a new launch of some type coming up in 3 or 4 weeks time we don't know much about it they've done one of those image things where you can't quite see what it is they're launching it's just a headlight and some you know burnout smoke and stuff but something big is coming from them we think it might be a model um and an, a new version of the SRF which they launched last year and has been getting great uh, accolades around the world uh, with a full fairing on it to enhance its range, Uh, maybe going up in charging capacity as well. Um, There has been talk about um, uh, uh, new high-power chargers, so that's coming up in a few weeks' time. And the other one that's really interesting for locals in Australia is that – um, there's a growing Chinese electric motorcycle manufacturer called Evoke. Um, they've been around for a little while now. They've obviously got the Chinese electric motorcycle on their back doorstep, so they're able to leverage scale and volume and a lot of technology and expertise out of the Chinese market. Um, haven't really pushed into the sort of mainstream electric motorcycle industry um, globally too much because they haven't had the range or the performance or, or you know, the good looks of some of the high end bikes um, but they're starting to release some really cool looking bikes with some really good feature sets and the range is going up and the power is coming up um, but of course at a, at a lower price and the great news for Australians is that thanks to a lead from you Giles um, there's a new importer here in Australia um, two brothers Peter and Chris have, have um, kicked off a business um, they've got um, I believe two bikes have landed in the country and the reason I know that is because I been begging them for a long-term test bike uh, i'm still sans electric motorcycle as as we've we've cried about previously uh and the boys have said to me look maybe we can help you um to get back on the road and you can do a long-term test for us and give us your views as a long-term electric motorcyclist and of course i said mm, let me think about that yes <laughs> so um <laughs> i'm have, hoping yeah. I'm hoping we might have some great news for potential buyers of electric motorbikes and I'll, uh, I'll of course write some stories and uh, see what we can find out about evoke.
1: Well that sounds fantastic and just excuse me I've just dropped the microphone and the cord and I'm um, just making a bit of noise here as I'm gathering my thoughts together. Um, yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm very keen for um, electric motorcycles to be a big thing because um, I'm getting super sensitive to all the uh, um, uh, motorbike noises as um, every damn Harley Davidson club comes past along, a <laughs> past, I pa- past the house in the distance, and boy, do they make a racket! You they know?
2: do make a racket. I do recall enjoying a, a, a nice cold. Cold, refreshing ale on your veranda over Christmas, and hearing a few Harleys go past. Yeah.
1: Yes, I know. Yeah, I know, it's been the bane of my life. But um, anyway, never mind. But look, um, on four-wheel, um, four-wheel electric vehicle news. Look, there's some interesting things happening here. Um, one is just seeing the Tesla stock price just surge. Um, is trebled since it's um since about may last year it's now valued at well over 100 billion dollars their results come out later on this week what's going to be interesting is to hear from them about the model y that's the sort of the the slightly bigger model three um shaped more like an suv than um the sports coupe which is probably compared to now Um, judging by the interest that's been shown on our website for the model y i think this is actually going to be generate as much interest as the the model three and that's going to be pretty interesting and um and there's a whole bunch of other companies getting pretty excited about their electric utes and um, you know we talked briefly about the Cybertruck last year and I just think that's going to be a bit of a a no-brainer for a lot of people. I think it's going to be very popular. And you've got Rivian coming out with its utes and already and that, lowering they dropped price. their price. Rivian
2: have dropped They've, their price too.
1: Absolutely. In response, absolutely. Right? So you're starting to see electric utes come in around about sixty, seventy thousand dollars 70000 which is probably comparable to what some people pay for their utes now. And I so just reckon the trade is just going to absolutely go for that. It's mm. going to you know, lower their cost. They'll be able to get into the leasing models. Um, it's going to be huge. It's going, to be huge. It's going to be huge. So um, that could be the next big thing i reckon in the electric vehicle transition at least in australia because one of the frustrating things in australia is that while you know people in europe i think they've got a choice of 174 different electric vehicle models in australia i think they've got a choice of about four or five and that may rise to about 10 this year Mm -hmm. and um, every single one of them is still priced over 50 and half of them are well over
2: 100 so they're um, going to save the weekend giles they're going to save the weekend Right? electric vehicles are going to wreck the weekend apparently (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that was an interesting one. There was a, there was a, there was a lovely um, Twitter photo put out by um, this guy um, uh, in his Model Three, and he was going for a drive through a lovely forest. Um, took a photo of it in November, and it was just absolutely beautiful. His stunning red Model Three, and then he went back there um, in January after the bushfires had been through it, an equally stunning but this time stark photo of the Model Three in this burnt-out bush. And he just asked the question, you know, what's worse for the weekend, you know, electric vehicles or <laughs> Or, 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 climate, um, change. or, or yeah. climate change and bushfires yeah. and
2: um, pretty obvious answer there. Yeah, um, there was a great just... story about that that Tesla Model Three owner too down in the in the fire areas, right? Yeah, tell, tell the listeners
1: about that one. That's that's a,
2: that's a cracker. It's a cracker. Well, the short version is you know, this owner uh, Greg, I think his name was, told the story about how he had bushfires approaching where he was rapidly and he had to start thinking about you know evacuation and what do we do and how do we charge the car they still had power so he went into management mode and he, he made sure that his car was fully charged he got everything ready in the standard way that he would normally do for an evacuation and when the time came they headed down to the evacuation center but one of the things that they didn't expect uh, but found was a benefit of having an electric vehicle or a tesla in that particular case in particular is that the wonderful uh, air conditioning and air Filtration system that they have on board provided a, a, a safe haven um, for you know young children or people with asthma or or the frail. Um, so there was um, there was sort of elements of this a Tesla being there, an electric vehicle being in the middle of an intense bushfire situation and actually being a, a wonderful safe haven for people, which was something that I'd never thought of before, but was a, an incredibly practical use of it. He then told the story about how you know he had to try and manage his energy consumption to get out and. It Well, sorry, and and of course you can run the air conditioner for days and days and days and days off the the main battery in the Tesla. So you've got the ability to do that without um, crippling the the range. and then as the time came for them to get out, um, he actually made a lot of comments about the fact that you know energy was in some cases more available uh, particularly through the backup generators that were starting to pop up all around the place um, than you know high volumes of fuel because everyone was desperate to get a tank of diesel or a de- tank of petrol and you know there was risks associated with that if there were still fires burning and so forth. So yeah he, he was able to manage all of these things in the middle of a crisis um, help the frail uh, and and ill and also uh, get his family to safety using an electric vehicle so um, you know probably um, saved his weekend um, rather than wrecking his weekend in, in the best possible way
1: yeah no that's interesting it was was interesting to sort of see the comparison his son had a petrol car and just couldn't get it topped up would go to the petrol station and it would be queuing for hours and hours and hours and then run out of petrol again so it was quite interesting to find that all the petrol and diesel cars and diesel the diesel cars couldn't find anything so um yeah, yeah it was um really interesting yeah Well, mate, I think that's probably a bit of a wrap, actually. So, um, look, it's good to be back. Um, It's great to have a new sponsor on board. We'd like to thank all our sponsors, um, Sol Analytics, of course, um, PV Cell from Sunwares, and our new sponsor, Clenergy. And um, good to have you back, Nigel. And um, I think 2020 is going to be an exciting year.
2: Yeah, let's go, man. There's going to be all sorts of cool stuff happening this year
1: excellent excellent and look for those interested the driven podcast will resume next week and the energy insiders podcast is also going to be back in the next couple of days so it'll all be through a full throttle on podcast and they'll keep you busy in between dropping the kids off at school and picking them up again doing the gardening and the washing up and anything else that people do traveling to solar installs (laughs) traveling to solar installs of course how could i possibly forget that thanks nigel thanks everyone bye for now
0: Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high quality mounting systems for residential, commercial, and utility scale solar projects. With in house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV cell software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high definition rooftop imagery in every PV cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. SunWiz, Australia's leading solar software. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered, and make the most of your home energy.